Again, good morning. It is wonderful to see you all this morning. Uh, Rainbow, I have some good news to share with you before we uh, enter into our sermon this hour. Uh, as of, I guess, this past Wednesday, Jeff and Sharon Machen met with our elders, and they have expressed their desire to become a part of the family here at Rainbow. And so we welcome them, and so glad that they are now a part of the family here. If you haven't met them yet, you're going to want to get to know them because they are such an encouraging couple. They've been visiting with us for quite some time and just felt like this is where they wanted to be. And so we welcome them with open arms. And I have Rainbow, I encourage you to do the same. If you don't already know, Jeff is a biology professor at Gadsden State and has been for quite a while. Uh, so long, he may have taught me in a different life. I wouldn't necessarily encourage you to ask him about any of those memories or experiences, uh, but we are very glad uh, that they are with us and very, very thankful for that. Uh, we do begin a new sermon series today, The Last Words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus on the cross, they're pretty short. There's only about seven statements, but those statements are very significant. Because those statements give us, well, they reveal for us the heart of Jesus, who He is, what His character is, what His nature is, what His hopes and expectation for us are. You know, they, they say that's what last words do, that last words really give us an idea of who a person is or what was important to a person. This is a picture of P.T. Barnum, of Barnum and Bailey fame. They say that his final words were, how were the ticket receipts today at Madison Square Garden? And, and so those words probably give you a little bit of insight into the man who chased fame and fortune very, very heavily. They say that the last words of the famous Yankee baseball player, Joe DiMaggio, finally, I'll get to see Marilyn again. In reference to the love of his life, his ex-wife, Marilyn Monroe. So that was who was on his mind at that particular moment in time. So you see, last words, they give us a little bit of insight into who a person is. And so when we think about the words of Jesus, those final words on the cross, it gives us a lot of insight into the love. The love that He has for all humanity. A love that, that we should share in. Let's begin in Luke chapter 23, there in verse 32. It says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Those are not small words. Those are not insignificant words. Those are not just in the heat of the moment, off the cuff words. Those are words that the very idea of existed hundreds of years before when the prophet Isaiah would write about the coming Messiah and he would write these words in Isaiah 53 there in verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors 
Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was crucified between two convicted criminals. He made intercession for the transgressors. He prayed. He prayed for the sin of all. The last words of Jesus, they're not words of self-pity. They're not words of anger. They're not words of condemnation. They're not words of judgment. The last words of Jesus reveal this unrivaled love and mercy that only our Lord and Savior could have. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think an interesting point to make here is just to remember and to be reminded that in these final words, we are reminded that ignorance does not equal innocence. Ignorance does not equal innocence. Those Roman soldiers, they were just doing their job. They were just putting to death a condemned, convicted man just like the two who were beside him. They didn't know who he was. So many of those who had cried out and who had chanted just hours and days before, crucify Him! Crucify Him! They really had no idea whose life they were truly demanding. Peter would write about the ignorance of all of those involved in the execution of Jesus. He would speak about it in Acts chapter 3 and verse 17. He said, now brothers, I know you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But again, ignorance does not equate innocence. Jesus knew they were ignorant of what they were doing. But He also knew that they needed forgiveness. And He prayed for that forgiveness. None of us, by the way, are innocent. All of us are guilty of sin. All of us, at some point in time, have made, continue to make a decision to rebel against the will of God, whether it be through our thoughts or our actions or our words. So many choices that we make that go against and are contrary to the will of God. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I hope, I assume, you know as well as I do, that being guilty of sin and feeling that guilt that can come with sin, it is no fun. <laughs> and that oftentimes the, the guilt that accompanies the sin, it, it brings about a lot of uh, extra feelings that we may not have anticipated Things like being anxious and things like being irritable and, and things like, like being ashamed and things like feeling fatigue and things like having low self-esteem. All of these things can accompany the feelings of guilt that come whenever we sin, whenever we commit those wrongs against God. So what do we do about it? What do we do with that, that guilt? Listen, as hard as we may try, there's not a thing, ultimately, that we can oftentimes do on our own to simply get rid of the guilt. 
oftentimes we will never be truly free of the guilt until we are finally honest about, and this is probably where the journey begins, where we're finally honest about what we did that brought about the feelings of guilt to start with. Because so often we want to live in denial, and so often we want to act like we didn't do something when we know we did it, or we don't want to believe that we said something that we know we said, and we want to sweep it under the rug and act as though it never happened. And we want to hide it. And as long as we're trying to hide it, as long as we're, we're trying to cover it up, we're going to continue to feel those feelings. Now, if anybody knew what it was like to try to cover up sin, it was King David. King David tried to cover up adultery. He tried to cover up murder. And, and as he wrote about the feelings that accompanied trying to cover all of this up, listen to what he wrote as he reflected back upon it in Psalm 32, beginning in verse 2. He said, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Maybe like King David. Maybe we're fatigued. We're tired. We blame it on a lot of other stuff. We'll blame it on how busy we are. We'll blame it on how busy our kids' schedules are. We'll blame it on how things are going at work or how things are going at home. We blame it on a lot of other things. And maybe sometimes those things are the source. But maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes I'm just tired of trying to outrun my past. It will wear you out trying to cover up your sin. When you are constantly going through life looking over your shoulder, afraid that that next shoe will drop, afraid that it will finally be found out, afraid that you will finally be caught, afraid that finally everyone will know what you already know, it'll wear you out. You'll experience a lot of fatigue. You'll be very tired. And maybe you don't know why. but people will find out. They always do. may not be now. may not be tomorrow. But at some point, all those secret things, those things that we think we've kept in the, the very back of our lives that no one knows about, at some point, everything will be made known. Jesus said in Luke 8 and verse 27, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to life. Or King David's son Solomon, he would write these, these very powerful, wisdom-filled words as he closed out the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 12 there, beginning in verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil is it scary to face your sin yes especially if in our mind there could be some great consequence that we have not yet faced that could come about as a result of facing our sin but confession confession is such an important part to finally beginning able to move forward with our life, and, and forward even in our relationship with God. And, and David, King David, he wants us to know that too. 
Because you see, it reached a point where he confessed his sin. And he wrote about the joy that came with that. If we go back to Psalm 32, there in verse 5, he said, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. He said, David, that's awesome. Praise God, David. You were forgiven. But then why don't I feel like it sometimes? I I mean, I'm really glad to know that David felt forgiven. And I'm I'm really glad to know that I I can be forgiven. But sometimes, I still wrestle with those feelings of guilt. Church, have you ever done something? Something in your past? Man, it's just always kind of there in your mind. And maybe sometimes you kind of struggle from day to day with whatever that past sin was. And the guilt of that maybe sometimes makes you feel either not worthy. The guilt of that sometimes makes you feel as though you kind of question whether or not you're really saved. The, the, the guilt of that sometimes keeps you from really being able to grow in your relationship with God and, and to do the work of the Lord here on earth the way that you know you need to be because you just kind of feel kind of well, trapped. Kind of trapped by the, the feelings of guilt that come with, with whatever, whatever it was you did. I think all of us would have a story to tell like that. I think all of us have something that if we could go back and undo, we would. But we can't. But then how do we move forward? How do we move forward and finally leave behind those feelings of of guilt? Look, this is something I think really important to understand if you ever struggle with this. Feelings of guilt are not the same as being guilty. You are guilty as long as you continue to participate in whatever that sinful behavior was that you think about. Whatever that sinful behavior is, as long as you're still involved in that, you are guilty. But if that's a part of who you used to be and not a part of who you are, and you don't do that anymore, then that just means you still have feelings of guilt. That's the residue of the bad decisions from your past. That does not mean that in God's eyes, you are still guilty. You just feel guilt. And I want you to know those nagging feelings, that's not a God thing. God is not the one who continues to heap those feelings of guilt upon you and upon me. We do that to ourselves. We allow Satan to do that. And the reason that Satan wants us to continually heap those unnecessary mounds of guilt on ourselves is because he knows that we're going to get so wrapped up in that, we're not going to mature in our Christian life. We're going to kind of stay stuck where we are. We're not going to be moving forward because we're always going to be hung up on the past instead of being able to enjoy the present and moving toward the future. And Satan knows that. But those overwhelming, nagging feelings, those are not from God. Here's the good news. We don't have to be held hostage by those feelings of guilt anymore. 
And the reason that we don't is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. If we really believe in Jesus, and if we really believe in the sacrifice that He made, if we really celebrate the blood that He shed, then that blood that was shed, that's all we need to know that we're forgiven. That's all we need to know that we're no longer guilty because we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. When Jesus prayed that prayer, how quickly, how quickly did the Father react? Let me tell you a couple things that the Father did not say. The Father did not speak down from heaven and say, hmm, we'll see. The Father did not speak down from heaven and say, well, maybe, but they've really got to get a lot of their stuff together first. The Father from heaven didn't speak down and say, are you kidding me? Do you know how bad they've hurt me just today? Do you know how much it's hurt me to have to watch you endure all that you've endured today? I've had to watch them mock you and beat you and spit on you. I've watched them drive nails in your hands. You want me to forgive? Are you not? I'm never going to be able to forgive them. They have hurt me too bad. Ooh, that was rather lethargic. That's the way we respond. That's not the way my God responds. Thankfully. Thankfully, my God responds with a resounding, yes, I'll forgive. But you know, it wasn't that they were just, everybody was received blanket forgiveness. There was still a response that was needed for forgiveness to, to be able and be attained. A response of faith. A response of faith that was just as important for those on that day as it is for us even today. You see, once you go over to the book of Acts, at this point, Christ has resurrected. He's ascended back into heaven. And here you, you have Peter preaching. And he's preaching to the very people who had been there the day of the crucifixion of Jesus. And he said, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Man, you talk about some heavy words. Peter standing up in front of the crowd, all the masses of people, and he says, that Jesus of Nazareth, you know the guy that you crucified, He is our Lord. He is our Christ. In other words, He is Savior. And you, you chanted to crucify Him and to set Barabbas free. You, you threw rocks at Him and you spit at Him and, and, and you made fun of Him while He hung on the cross. You did that! Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ why? For the forgiveness of your sins. The very forgiveness that Christ had prayed for. If you want this forgiveness from your sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So Peter said, listen, there's two things here. First of all, you've got to turn from your sins. You've got to turn away from what you're doing. That's called repentance. And secondly, you've got to turn to Christ. And when you turn to Christ, you, you do so by reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's called baptism. And, and when you do those two things, and I know many of us in this assembly, we have done those two things. When we do those two things, then we know that there's this promise of God that we will receive the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, and that's why we rejoice in those moments. To know that that, that old person was buried. To know that who we used to be is no more. To know that in that watery grave, we have left behind all that we once were. And now we have come up forgiven. Cleansed. White as snow. Thanks be to the blood of the Lamb. That, that very Lamb of God that we sang about just moments ago. Now, if we've done that, and again, I know many of us in this assembly have, if we do that and have done that, then again, why? I go back to my previous question, why do I still feel guilty sometimes? I obeyed the Gospel at this point in my life, but I still carry from way back when? Well, maybe. Maybe it's because in your heart that when you hear those words, Father, forgive them, maybe you've convinced yourself that that's for everybody else but not for you. Maybe in your heart of hearts you've convinced yourself that what you did was so heinous and so bad that you've just... You got to work a little bit harder. You got to do a little more good. You, you got you to beat yourself up a little bit longer over it. And then maybe God will finally forgive you. We should all always feel very deep, heartfelt sorrow whenever we sin because we're going against the will of God. Like it, it should hurt us on a very deep level to know that we're hurting God. And, and we should be a people who every day we are striving to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We're striving to live a godly life. I mean, that, that, that's how we should wake up every day. That should be our goal every single day. But church, please, please understand this. There is no amount of good that you can do now or in the present that will ever make up for the, the bad in your past. It just won't. No matter how much you may want it to, it doesn't work that way. Because only Jesus is enough. And until we really believe that the sacrifice of Jesus is enough, we'll probably continue to struggle with those feelings of guilt long after we were actually guilty. I want you to repeat after me, church. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough. Go ahead. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough. Say it again. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough. Say it again. One more time, church. The sacrifice of Jesus is enough. Until you believe that, 
not just speaking it with your lips, but until it resonates in your heart and in your mind, you will continue to carry the burden of the guilt from years gone by. Do you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus is really enough? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In speaking those words, Jesus, He modeled the expectation for all of us. Forgiveness. When we feel hurt, when we feel hurt by somebody, we get angry. And sometimes we'll say things we shouldn't say, and, and sometimes we'll hold a grudge for quite a while, and, 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 and sometimes we may even seek revenge. That's just what we do when we get angry. That's what we do when we feel hurt. But as Christians, if we're really striving to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, hmm, it's not how Jesus responded to hurt. Jesus responded to hurt with love. Jesus responded to agonizing cruelty, unjust treatment beyond my imagination. He responded to it with mercy. As children of God's, following in His footsteps, should we too not be as merciful? Because God is merciful. Should we not be a people who are actually generous? With our forgiveness? Listen to the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 17, beginning of verse 3. He says, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. You must forgive him. That's not an option. Did you catch that? That's, that's not up to how I feel about it. That's not up to me to decide if I really want to be a Christian, if I really want to be who Christ has called me to be, then forgiveness is a must, not an option. And we say, hold on! you telling me i got to forgive fill in the blank for fill in the blank. <laughs> Whoever your person is for whatever they did, they repent. Absolutely. E even if they hurt you continually, but they continue to repent, you must forgive. Oh, I know what some of you are thinking, right? Some of you are thinking like me, going, that's it, I just found the loophole. What if I don't think they've repented? <laughs> If I don't think they've repented, that's when I can, boy, I can really stick it to them and I can really be cold and I can be passive aggressive and I can hold a grudge and I mean, I can make sure that they know how bad they've hurt me. <laughs> sounds good, right? <laughs> well, sounds human. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. Certainly doesn't say godly. Not the expectations of Jesus. 
If we go back a little bit here in Luke, there in chapter 6 and verse 27, there Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That's the expectations of Jesus. When we feel hurt, when we feel slighted, when we feel mistreated, we'll still love. We'll still do good. We'll still bless. We'll still pray for them. You say, well, what do I pray for? I would encourage us all to pray the same thing Jesus prayed. Father, Forgive them. It's a hard prayer to pray. It's not an easy prayer. But I've also found it's a very helpful prayer. Because you see, when I finally begin to pray, sincerely pray that God will forgive those who've hurt me in the same way that I so desperately need and want His forgiveness, it becomes a lot harder to hang on to the hurt and the hate. It just does. So, who is it? Who is it that's hurt you? Who is it that you're, you're holding on to that grudge about? Who is it that, that by name, in a prayer, maybe even before we leave here today, even if it's just a, a prayer from your, your mind to God from the pew that you're sitting. Who is it that you finally ask God to forgive so that you can begin to forgive? So that you can begin to heal? Now, maybe, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ. Maybe you've never repented and been baptized. Listen, that's, that's where this journey really begins, right? It's a life of faith begins at that point. If you've never done that, the water, it's ready for you. It's waiting for you to make that most important decision because at that point, you will, as we saw a few moments ago, you will know that you have received the promised forgiveness of God, a forgiveness of all your past sins. And man, what a glorious thing that that is. But maybe as a child of God's, you've done that. And, and maybe you're just at a, a point in life where maybe you are struggling to forgive someone. Maybe that's something that you would like the, the church to be praying for you about. Maybe, maybe there's some sin in your own life that you've been trying to hide for so long that you finally want to, to seek, to seek, confess, to seek forgiveness, finally repent of, so that you can move forward with your life. I don't know what it is that's going on in your life. But I, I pray that all of us are either at a point or will begin to strive to reach a point where even when we feel hurt, even when we feel slighted, when we feel mistreated, we will pray for them as Christ prayed for all. Father, forgive them. 
we can help you with this or any needs you might have, won't you come as we stand and sing?